Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Crochet Circle podcast. It's called The Secrets Out and I will explain in the Designs in Progress segment what that is all about. I can finally tell you all what it is that I've been ferreting away at behind the scenes. I hope you're all well. Um, it's the 31st. It's Halloween today when I'm recording. I should have recorded on Sunday, but uh, I don't know what I was doing. I just didn't fancy recording and I would much rather record when I feel kind of upbeat and ready for it and that wasn't Sunday. So I'm recording today, Halloween, and the podcast will go out on Friday, which is the 3rd of November. And it's just gone properly chilly here in Cheshire. Yesterday morning we had our first actual frost on the ground and I was out here in my office yesterday and I was frozen all day long. It's not too bad today but yesterday I couldn't put enough clothes on to keep warm. It was ridiculous. So I'm quite chuffed that it wasn't as frosty overnight and actually it's a bit warmer here because if I try to put the heater on you then can't hear me. So I have to freeze for my art. I have to freeze so that you can hear my dulcet tones in the podcast. Um, so yeah, I might pop in and out and make lots of brews during the recording of this one. My name is Faye and I bring this podcast to you on a monthly basis and it's the first Friday of every month. All of the show notes are very comprehensive. They go up onto Podbean and that's www.thecrochetcircle.podbean.com. I'm also quite lively on Instagram at times. Sometimes it takes a dip, same with Ravelry. Instagram it is crochet underscore circle underscore podcast and Ravelry just search in the groups for the Crochet Circle podcast group and you will find us. Lots of lovely people, lots of lovely interaction and well worth hunting us down. Um, you'll see some really regular faces in there and just, yeah, very nice group of people. Um, so that's where you can find me. I'm also Knit It Hook It on Instagram for my company, my crafting company. And I have just started up a new Instagram for my design side of things because I didn't quite feel like I could keep on putting my designs up on Knit It Hook It because it's quite a different beast. So if you fancy following me for the designs, it's Faye DH Design. So F-A-Y-D-H Designs on Instagram. And if you fancy looking at what I design on Ravelry, then go to Faye-Berhughes Designs. All of the links are in the show notes and I'll probably, they're at the front and back of the podcast on YouTube as well. So if you want to follow me, um, all of the links are there for you. Right, shall we crack on and see what we've got for you today? Um, I'm going to kick off again with quick news beats where I just quite try and do a quick rundown of bits and pieces that have been going on and things that you might be interested in. And I'm going to start with hashtag Friday is die day. Last Friday was the 27th of October and a few of us had a go at dyeing our own yarns. I've pulled together a blog post on this, so if it's something that you're interested in, then I would say please go and have a look at that blog post. It takes you through using professional dyes, um, which are also known as acid dyes, doing natural dyeing and also trying icing colourants, which I was really impressed with. So they're the three main ways of dyeing yarn and fabrics as well. And of course, I can't hope to tell you everything that you need to know, but what I hope the blog post does 
is gives you a bit of a pointer and allows you to then look at what method might be interesting to you and give it a try. I was really impressed actually with the icing colourant dyes. They're, they're more intense than standard food dyes and they seem to be very colour fast and really easy to mix up and get different types of colours with. So um, also worth taking a look on Instagram at hashtag Friday is Dye Day um, to see what other people were creating. I was over at my friend Beck's house. She's got black horse yarns. Um, she got her son to do some icing, colouring, dyeing on uh, a skein of chunky yarn and he did really bright primary colours and then we set it and she's already knitted him up a hat and it looks absolutely fantastic and he was over the moon that he was able to very quickly dye something up and then have it as a hat out the other side. It just looks great. So if you're curious about dyeing then I would say give it a go it's it's it is great fun and it doesn't have to take a lot of time to um to do the process so i'll pop some photos up on uh, the show notes of the things that i've done but i did all sorts on that day so i managed to dye another skin of skinny merino and it it was meant to be like a kind of dark blue color and what I dyed it with was logwood, so it's a natural dye. And actually it was the second dye bath. It had already been used once back in 2011. So I didn't know quite what was going to happen with this. And what I've got is gorgeous shades of grey going through to charcoal, going through to a much more silvery colour. And that is going to be paired up with the two skeins that I dyed with the um, silver birch bark. And they are, the three of them together going to become a shawl by Sarah Hazel. I think it's called the Purbeck shawl. I've already bought it and had it sat there, but it needs three skeins of four ply. And I, whilst I've got lots and lots of yarn, what I didn't have were three skeins I would purposefully want to put together for this shawl. Uh, and now I do. So that was with logwood and that was natural dyeing. The other natural dyeing that I did was I tried some um, turmeric root. And if you're watching, you might see I've been handling this and my hands look a little jaundice. <laughs> it's not. It's just that the turmeric is continuing to come off onto my hands. So I need to be careful with that one. But it's the, it is turmeric coloured. It's very vibrant and it smells quite a lot. <laughs> I quite like it because I love spices. And I dyed that one specifically because I also knew that I wanted to do some a purple in an icing colourant one. So I was using the Wilton's Violet colour and the two together are just a gorgeous match and I wanted to do that because I had a future project in mind to do a feral knitted cowl with them and I just, I think that kind of dulled out purple with the vibrancy of the turmeric coloured yarn will just be beautiful. And again, all of these will be photographed and popped up into the show notes here. If you're listening and you want to see what I've been dying up, then head there and you'll be able to see what's been going on. So what my plan is, is to keep on doing hashtag Friday is Dye Day on the last Friday of every month. Yeah, so it would be Friday, um, Friday's Dye Day and then the next Friday it would be the podcast. Um, and what I'm trying to do is build up my own appreciation of hand-dyed yarn. So one Friday 
of the month it might be that I am dyeing stuff and taking photos and showing you that process and I would love you to get involved as well and then the next it might be that I am making something with the yarns that I've dyed and showing you what it is that I'm making or it might be that I've gone to my stash and I'm showing you some of my favourite hand dyers and what it is that they've dyed and then what I'm going to do with that skein so it's all about the appreciation of hand dyeing, but it might not necessarily be stuff that I've hand dyed myself. So yeah, get involved. Any Friday, Friday is dye day. Send photos in on Instagram and use the hashtag. Let's see what you've got. So that was um, Friday is dye day. Second quick news beat is the canine debunks. You might have seen that I've added some more moderators to Ravelry. These are people that were already very active in the group and I just wanted to formalise that structure a little bit more. So Tamara and Helen were already moderators in the group and that got set up when we um, started the back to school sweater cull. And then I've added in Lisa, Anna and Joe. So they are now all moderators in the group as well. And that... It doesn't mean anything because they're already, well, no, it doesn't mean anything. They're already doing wonderful things and getting in there and welcoming people into the group and keeping the chat going. But it's just a way of recognising them for that and like saying thank you, it's much appreciated. Here it is in a more formal capacity. And they're brilliant at it. They're really good, really friendly ladies. And I guarantee you that if you put something on the Ravelry group, one of those five people will be one of the first to dip in and say, oh, that's lovely, I love that, welcome to the group. They're they're just fantastic. So we have five moderators, which is great. Next quick news beat. Back in, I think it might have been April or May, I mentioned the fact that I wanted to do a global hookup. And I'm mentioning it now because one of the segments I want to cover off today is about setting up a crafting group um, which is something people have expressed an interest in. And um, I know that lots of people won't have access to an, a crafting group and don't necessarily want to set them up themselves. And so I had talked about having a global hookup whereby online we meet up together and we have a specific night for, let's say, an hour and a half where we have a, a kind of online crafting session. So I haven't mentioned it for ages and I thought, well, I'd better tell you that I have still been working on this behind the scenes, but it just hasn't been a priority for me. Um, but what I've done is now set a date in stone. So it will be Saturday the 25th of November, probably somewhere about seven, eight o'clock. I'll define that because I need to check what happened with the clocks turning back at the weekend here in the UK. And it's trying to find a time that would work for the most amount of people globally and looking at where the listenership is and the YouTube people are, it is about 50% of you are from the US. So um, it's trying to make sure that the people that are most likely to join in actually are on a sensible timeline. Um, so US and UK predominantly um, and within that kind of Canada as well, and, um, Europe. So trying to find times that would work for a global gathering. Um, so more to follow on that. I'll pop it all onto Ravelry. Keep an eye out on Ravelry for that. But the idea is that the one on the 25th of November is just a quick starter one. Just to see if it works. See what needs to be ironed out. So I'm not going to 
be going all out with publicity because I would rather do that when I know that it will work and it does what people expect and want it to do, hopefully. So keep an eye on RAV and there will be more details on the Global Hookup ready for the 25th of November. Very exciting, really looking forward to that because um, I think it will be a great way of having more communication with people and a bit more crossover with what we're all doing. Boshing through this. Cals for 2018. I have opened up a thread on Ravelry for you to tell me if you if you want to, like you don't have to. <laughs> but if you want to, what crochet alongs would you like me to run with the podcast in 2018? I've had a few ideas which I've already added to the thread, but I'd really love to hear what it is that you would like to do. We have a Christmas Eve um crochet along which will start as I said on Christmas Eve you can do it a one minute past midnight on Christmas Eve um, if you want if you're that way inclined I think I did that last year from Germany when I was on holiday um, and that will be a 100 gram one and I'll be doing that in conjunction with Charlie from Love Charlie podcast and that will go on until the 31st of January I don't have any other crochet alongs in the diary thereafter and I would much rather deliver what you want me to deliver. So get into that thread and let me know what it is you would like as a crochet along and then I will filter through it all, bring it all into kind of some semblance of what it might look like and I'm probably looking for another three crochet alongs on the back of the Christmas Eve cast on one, possibly four. Um, so yeah. Let me know what you would like, um, what your ideas are, and we will, um, I'll sort it out and make it happen. So moving on to old dog new tricks. One of the things I have been working on is how I can kind of win at yarn chicken. When you know you're coming to the end of your ball of yarn, I always think it's better to finish that ball of yarn at the end of a row or a round, more so a row because it's more important then, than it is to have a changeover in the middle of your work, in the middle of a round. It looks neater. I always think when you sew in ends, you can kind of see where that end was. If you're really good at spit splicing, then you can hide it that way, but it does depend on what yarn you're using. Not everything spit splices. Um, and so it might be that you are starting a new row or you're coming to the very end of a project and you don't know if you've got enough yarn left. So what I've done is a little bit of investigating on how you can use a quick technique for working out if you've got enough yarn. Now you can do it from weighing and weighing the previous row and weighing the next row. Um, but if you don't have scales with you, how else are you going to do it? And so what I've done is I've worked up three different samples in three different weights. So a four ply, a double knitting DK, and a chunk of weight yarn. So the four ply was 400 meters per 100 grams. The DK was 200 meters per 100 grams, and the chunky was 100 meters per 100 grams. So really standard weights that I used. And for the four ply, I used a three mil hook, because that's what I figured most people use for shawls if they're dealing with a four ply. For the DK I used a 4mm and for the Chunky I used a 6mm. And I did a few introductory rows just to settle my tension down. And then I did three rows of double crochet, single crochet US, 
three rows of half treble, half double US, and three rows of treble, double US. And I did that across the three weights of yarn. And what that allowed me to then do was unravel the three rows of treble, having put a marker at the end of it and the beginning of it, and then measure how many times it would have gone across the length of my project. So, let me find a, a clear or clearish way of trying to put this across. So you're, you're about to start a new row and you don't know if you've got enough yarn left. And what you need to do is understand which stitch it is that you're using. And this methodology only, I've only done it across three stitches. And of course, if you're doing something that's lacy, then it won't work because we have no way of dictating how much it's going to use or certainly not using this methodology. But if you have your row in front of you, then you know what the length of that row is. And if you are doing a row of double crochets, then you will need nine times the length of that row to complete a row. So you need nine times the length will give you a double crochet in every single stitch in that row. If it's a half treble, then you will need 12 times the length of your row to be able to complete an entire row of treble, of half treble. If it's a treble, then you need 14 times the length of your row to be able to complete that row with a treble in every single stitch. Um, I tested it out again today and it works. The, the 14 for a treble, 12 for a half treble and 9 for a double gives you a little bit of leeway as well. But of course, because I've tested that across the different weights and therefore the different hook size and I tried all three stitches for all three weights and hook sizes, I'm fairly sure that this works and because I did it on three rows and then took the average of the three rows I think we've probably got something that's fairly accurate so give it a go next time you're working on a project um, then what I would say is before you start the next row if you're doing double crochets then work out what nine lengths of that row looks like put a pin in it and then do your work and I would pretty much guarantee you that by the time that you are coming to the end of that row, you will be pretty spot on with coming towards that marker in that yarn for having used um, that, that amount of yarn in each row. So if you're not sure whether you're going to have enough to finish up a project and you might need to buy more yarn or you might need to rethink your design a little, then that might be quite a nice way of working out um, what you can do next and whether you'll run out. Hopefully I've explained that well enough. It's quite a difficult concept to get across. Um, but in general, a row of trebles, you will need 14 times the length of the row to finish it off. A row of half trebles will need 12 times the length of the row. And um, doubles, you'll need nine times the length of the row. Length, width, whichever way you want to take it. Um, but really helpful if you think you're going to have to play your own chicken. Was that as clear as mud? It probably was. Apologies. I just, I've recorded this three times now because I can't think of a better way of trying to get the information across. So hopefully you understood what I meant. So let's move on to finished objects. 
I am wearing one of them. It is my Sicily jumper, which is a free of charge pattern. It's by Marie Wallen for Rowan. And um, I was doing this as part of my hashtag back to school sweater curl. Um, which Helen and Tamara were running, still running. And I'm so pleased with this. This is my best fitting jumper for sure. Um, I'm just gonna step down and model it because uh, I'm really, really pleased with it. It's nicely fitted. It's got um, decreases coming into the waistline and increases coming back up for the bust. You can make it more bat-wingy if you want. One of the areas where I often struggle with garments is it can just be a little bit too close underneath the underarms and I overheat and then become a hot sweaty mess. So I like the fact that this is a bit more bat-wingy and it's not going to be in up in my armpits. That's quite nice. Um, it's got quite a high neck to it. And the sleeves are doubled up, which I really love because what that does is gives me the option of leaving them fully down, which then gives me a lovely long sleeve that comes kind of part way down my palm. Or I can roll it up and have the sleeves up and out my way. It's really warm because I've done it in a Schillister luxury blend, which has got cashmere and all sorts in it, um, in a four ply. Although the pattern calls for a cotton, a four-ply cotton, I didn't fancy the cotton, so um, I moved to the Shillestead instead. And I really love it. Like I say, it's my best-fitting jumper to date. And it's quite a... It's hawthorn berry-coloured, so it feels quite Christmassy. Not that I'm a Christmassy person, but it does... It feels quite festive. I was singing Christmas tunes this morning. I blame my friend Jenny, Little Miss Christmas. That's her very bad influence. Um, so yeah, I'm really chuffed with it. If anybody else was thinking about doing a Sicily jumper, I still need to put my notes up onto Ravelry. But it was really quick to do. And um, what I've done, because the one in the model was quite, it was a bit loose. I don't think it was as flattering as it could have been. And so I have actually done the small size. I'm a size 14 to 16. And the small size is a really nice fit. Had I done a larger size, it, I just think it would have drowned me out. It just wouldn't have looked good at all. But I love this. I'm going to get quite a lot of wear out of this. I think that quite often what happens is you make a garment and you think it's going to be amazing. And you try it on and you go, oh, not just quite what I was looking for. I don't feel that way about this one at all. I love it. I'm going to wear it on time. You know, it's very open and lace work. And although I'm a little bit chilly, I've just got a little spaghetti um, strap top on underneath it. And I'm actually okay out in the office in this. And it's nearly November. So, yay for finished objects. And yay for back to school sweater, pal. I've started another one as well. Not another Sicily, but another jumper because I'm... I've taken so much heart from having a garment that fits really nicely and is in colours that I love. And um, yeah, so I'm on it. That's it. I'm, I am a garment crocheter now. That's it. Um, so that's finished object number one. Finished object number two is a shawl. 
that I was doing as part of the Fibre Friends Northbound Knitting um, Knit Along. Hello ladies! <laughs> I'm waving! Um, they're lovely, they're great fun, I love their podcast. Um, it's Caroline, Adrian and Louise and they're just, they're great fun, they make me laugh all the time. And they were doing a knit along with Lisa Much's patterns. Lisa Much is also the yarn dyer behind Northbound Knitting. If you haven't checked out her stuff, have a look. Her stuff is incredible. It's really tonal. She she deals with very darkened colours, a lot of greys, a lot of blacks. She doesn't do big, bold primary colours. Um, and it's it's really subtle and beautiful. And the same with her patterns. She sticks to quite a restricted colour palette and she doesn't do over-the-top patterns. They're very simple, very elegant, really nice. And the one that I've done is called Auspice and it only takes 100 grams of a four-ply yarn. So it's perfect. And I had dyed up um, 100 grams of Skinny Merino with blackberries and got really quite a nice silvery purple colour. What's interesting, I said in the podcast last time that dyeing with blackberries, uh, blackberries can be fugitive, which means that the colour will fade, which I knew, and there is a little bit of a difference. The shawl is certainly more grey, I guess, because it's been out more, whereas the, the little nugget that I've got left has been in a project bag. Um... But I love working with this. If you've never worked with the Skinny Merino before, when you first handle it, it feels a little bit odd and you think, oh, I don't, well, I did. I thought, oh, I, don't, I don't really like you. And then as it knits up, in particular in garter, squ garter squish, <laughs> in garter stitch, it's really squishy and lovely. And I think um, this in a double crochet as well would just be gorgeous so that's my next thing I'd really like to play with um, some crocheted skinny merino which I will be because of the Sarah Hazel shawl that I'll be working on but that's probably going to be the beginning of next year before I get there but the thing about a skinny merino is it is just one ply so it's got quite a different twist on it and it's quite an irregular twist and it just makes for a really interesting crafting um, yeah very very squishy I love the blackberry tones that are in there. They're very subtle. So that's my other finished object. Really nicely written pattern. Very simple. Um, and I would encourage you, if you're also a knitter, go and have a look at Lisa Much's patterns. She's got quite a few on on Ravelry. And they're, she's very well respected and very well thought of. And check out her yarn. It's on my oh I wish I wish I wish list would be to have some northbound knitting Lisa much yarn I don't have any and uh, that's definitely on my I would love to own some of that so that was finished object number two finished object number three kind of takes me into acquisitions as well but I went to that there fancy London town and I met up with my friends Helen Flick um, Crean, and Charlie came as well and we went to Inet London and we went to Loop and when I was in Loop I came across a new book which is called Making Winter and it's by Emma Mitchell. Some of you are probably well aware of Emma, she's got the most beautiful Instagram account 
um, really gorgeous. And one of the patterns that she had in this book were called the Hawthorne wrist warmers. Very simple wrist warmers that have got a branch and Hawthorne berry design on them. But the way that Emma has designed it, it's all in one colour. And me being me, I have to fidget. I can't just take... I can't just take a pattern at face value and say that's that's what I'll do. It's very rare for that to happen with me. I always think I can do something else and add a little something. And I've got some spare Hawthorne coloured yarn left over from doing my Sicily top. And I thought, well, I'm sure I could make mittens that have got Hawthorne berries on them. And I'm sure I could dye up some a little nugget of yarn that would be brown that would give me some Hawthorne branches. And so I did. So I played about with the pattern, really quick to make up, and I have made myself some mittens that have got hawthorn berries and hawthorn branches on them. And they're very warm and lovely. So they, um, they're they on an undyed, the, the bulk of it, the main colour, is an undyed yarn that my mum found me in a charity shop. It's from Woolly Knits and it's like... It's an odd structure. It almost had a chain to it. Um, and it's undyed Blueface Leicester. But it's not as soft as you would normally expect Blueface Leicester to be. Um, I think maybe just because of the chain and construction. And then I had some Skinny Merino that I had dyed up using Wilton Icing Colourants. That was what I did with that. I was aiming for... A very different colour. I was actually aiming for a greeny colour, which I have since dyed. But what I got was a really dark brown, so I used it in these mittens instead. And then the same Shillestair Hawthorne coloured on my little berries. Really like them. Very, they're a very rustic looking and feeling mitten, and I like that. Quite often I err towards the more... That's going to sound harsh. I don't mean it that way. But like the more elegant, refined patterns. And every now and then, it's it's just good to go rustic. And uh, yeah, really, really like them. And they were keeping my hands very warm yesterday when I was out in the office. So if anybody else is interested in working out how I did the hawthorn berries and the branches, ping me a message and I'll tell you what I did. It was it was quite simple to do once I'd worked out where the best point was to do the yarn changes. Um, so yeah, ping me a message and I'll tell you how I managed it. If not, make your life simpler and just do it all in one colour. Don't fidget like I have to fidget. So that was finished object number three. And then because I've been on a little dyeing kick, one of the things that I had dyed up was... A sock blank and you may not all be aware of what a sock blank is but it's like if, if you imagine a length of knitted fabric and the way that this one works is that it's actually made up of two strands of four ply yarn together knitted together and then what I did was dyed that sock blank in quite a crazy fashion I was just spilling dye here there and everywhere just to see what happened and putting sprinkles on it and just having fun um, and what that means is when you unravel the sock blank, you should have pretty much two identical socks as you knit or crochet them up. And so I've knitted with mine um, because that was the effect that I wanted. And I will pop a photo up, but you can see that they go from a pink colour through into more bluey base. And they are 
pretty much identical um, as they go through the colours because it was from a sock blank. It was great fun to do. Total pain in the backside to undo the two strands and it meant that I had to knit them concurrently which meant that I didn't ever feel like I was going to finish the end of the project but what I did do was tried a new heel technique and tried an afterthought heel and I have a question I can see an afterthought heel working possibly rather well in a crocheted sock as well so does anybody know of a sock pattern a crocheted sock pattern that uses that technique or has anybody used that technique in a crochet sock because I would love to know whether it works or not because all you do is you knit a tube so I would do the same when I would crochet a tube there's a piece of waist yarn that has been knitted in and then all I would do is pick up around take that waist yarn out and um, and put the heel in, put an afterthought heel in. I've not seen that for crochet, so let me know if anyone's had a go at it. And uh, yeah, I can now that I've showed you, I can put my final afterthought heel in and get these on my feet because they're going to be really, really warm. These are Blue Face Leicester as well with 25% nylon. So really nice and warm. I'm on a bit of a Blue Face Leicester kick at the moment because it's a lovely. Well, it's one of our British breeds as well, so it's quite easy for me to get hold of. And it has um, it has like a luster on it that you don't tend to get with Merino. And it's almost got a silky quality to it. It's really beautiful to work with. And um, yeah, it's, it's a very hard wearing one for socks as well. So if you don't want Merino nylon, you could look to just having a blue face Leicester sock without any nylon in it if that's your preference but that's my last finished object for this month no it's not that's a lie it's a total lie and um, i have also been working on some garlands i've got some in the background behind me uh, and i've been working on little sycamore leaves and i've been doing some stuff with acorn leaves and little acorns and all of this has been pulled together for me to put onto my stand. I'm vending at the Nottingham Yarn Expo on the 11th and 12th of November. So if you're hearing this and you're in the area, please come and say hello. I'm on stand 107 um, at the Nottingham Yarn Expo. And I'm hoping to have lots of little crocheted kind of autumnal bits and pieces all over my stand to make it feel like the outside has come inside. So I've been working on them as well and just, yeah, nice little bits and pieces that show that I'm a crafter to people that come onto my stand. I think that's quite, that's quite important. So that's finished objects done. Let's move on to works in progress. Last time round I said one of my future whips was going to be another version of the crisscross shawl using green elephants gym nut yarn and i have started that i haven't got very far into it because i'm doing a video tutorial for this at the same time but i have made a start i'm on row 22 i think so i'm getting there and i love how this is working up i love the luminous bits i love the bright little pops of teal 
it's like it's a crazy yarn for me to be working with but I really like it um, and I've just put the first lattice row in and I'm working up now on the increases so I haven't got very far but I will do I'll be doing this tutorial tomorrow as well so um, I would imagine by the time you see me next time I'll have this finished as a, an FO but we've moved the date so originally we were going for a November crochet along and the next all in and is coming out in December and so what we've decided to do is run the crochet along in January which means that if anybody was going to buy a nice special skein or two and wanted to use it for a version of crisscross then they could have that as a Christmas present and then join in in the new year with this crochet along. The pattern will be free of charge available for you off Olinan's website and like I say, I'm re recording the tutorial now, so there will be a YouTube tutorial for any little bits and pieces that might flummox you. But it, it is a very easy crochet project. It just looks more intricate than it is. But I've tried, deliberately tried to write it in such a way that it should be very sensible. So that's my first um, work in progress. And my second one, I don't have many because I've... I've had some quite large finished objects that I've been working on. My second one is the second garment that I was telling you about. So again, because, you know, I've been dyeing yarn. <laughs> when I was at Yarndale, I had bought some Blueface Leicester and Massam Blend yarn. I think it's 80% Blueface Leicester, 20% Massam and it smells very sheepy and what that means is it's got a very light grey brownie tone to it as an undyed yarn and on Friday for hashtag Friday is dye day I dyed up fine skeins of it to be able to start a jumper with and what I was specifically looking for was to get a very light soft blue that would come across like a stonewashed denim colour so I didn't want a solid colour across all of the skeins I didn't even really want a semi-solid I wanted a very subtle um, variation of the shades coming through and that's exactly what I've got and it's just this this yarn is so beautiful to work with it's very it's very light and airy so instead of using even a three millimeter hook I'm actually using a four millimeter hook on it even though it's a four ply yarn but it's just so like poofy <laughs> it's lovely and it's it's just got so much air in it it really suits that slightly more open structure of the four ply yarn so let's show you and again there will be photos in the show notes but hopefully what you'll be able to see is how how different it is in tone from one part of the row to the next and that's exactly what I was after so this is called the home body sweater and it's meant to be like a lovely slouchy jumper for bobbing about the house in and so I thought the stonewashed look would be absolutely perfect for that because it will just go with everything so I haven't got too far in I'm probably on I've done the rub, rubbing I've done the ribbing at the bottom of the first panel and maybe about 15 rows 
it's just half treble crochet, um, half double US terminology, and I'm using a a, a four mil hook and a four ply yarn, and I'm really chuffed. This is a free of charge pattern as well. It's on Ravelry. It's called the Homebody, but I've already put links to it in the show notes. So if you're interested in looking at what the final object is likely going to look like, then go ahead and have a little look there. But yeah, I'm I'm impressed that I've managed to dye that to pretty much what it was that I was looking for. Um, yeah, I'm, it's good. I've just checked. I said four mil hook. It's not. It's a four point five mil that I'm using, which is a US seven. Um. Yeah. Loving hand dyed at the moment. I have no. Uh, like no interest in becoming a yarn dyer. People that are out there that do it, like Becky from River Yarns, they are incredible at it, and I will leave it with them. But every now and then. It's good to dabble, good to have fun with it, and good to appreciate how good other people are. Like mine's okay, but these people that do it for a living are incredible. And I'm by no means trying to replicate what they do, but it's fun to have a project in your mind and think, well, that's what I'm going to dye this up for. So that's what I've been doing. I think that's it on the whips. Yeah, I don't have anything else. There it. Yeah, that's it. That was a quick one. So I have refueled. I have hot coffee. It's getting a bit chilly out there now. It's about ten past three, so I probably need to hurry up because otherwise the daylight's going to get going. And I think as I come into the winter months, I'm going to have to get better at podcasting earlier on in the day because the office will be warmer and I'll have better natural daylight to play with rather than depending on quite a lot of studio lights and stuff. But coffee is good. So I'm going to move on to designs in progress. Just finished off before I started recording. I finished off the barley cowl. Really enjoyed working on this. Um, it was good fun moving around the little different bits of colour. I haven't even woven in the end yet. But it's one of those cows I like. I love a cowl because I think sometimes they're much easier to wear than shawls because when you put them on, they don't go anywhere, they don't fall off, they don't slink off your shoulder. And this one has been designed to fit really nicely around your neck so that when you're on like a winter walk and the wind is howling, you can bury your face in it and keep nice and chilled. Uh, nice and warm even and it's high enough that it will actually protect your ears as well so this is part one and what I'm probably going to do well what I am part way through is designing some mittens that will go with it as well and then I was wondering I wanted to ask you guys actually whether you would be interested in a hat that goes with it too or is that just too much is it better to have a cowl and mittens or would you like to see a barley hat too? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Because I think, well, I'm fairly certain that with the 100 grams I had of the Blueface Leicester, the um, the luxurious sock one, the grey main colour, and the 520 grams of the colours, there is more than enough there to do the cowl, a hat and mittens in various sizes. Um, 
And I also wanted to say thank you. I put the call out for test crocheters and product review people in the last podcast. And I'm just so pleased with the amount of people that came forward and said that they would be really interested in helping out in test crocheting and being part of the product review panel. It's really very kind of you. Thank you. Um, I have pulled you all of your emails together and by the time you are hearing, reading, watching this podcast, um, you will have all had an email from me. If you haven't, um, please ping me an email. It means it's just been lost in the ether somewhere. So if you haven't heard from me and you emailed me to begin with, ping me a message. There is not one single person that has been in contact with me that... I wouldn't want to get back in touch with so that sounds wrong but what I mean by that is that if you messaged me then you're that's it you're, you're on the panel and you're a test crochet um, and you should have heard back from me so if you haven't please let me know and I will rectify that there was never a case of oh I have I have so many people I don't need anybody else it's not it's not like that at all so you should have heard from me and thank you very much it's much appreciated and this, I think, barley is going to be one of the first things that goes out for test crocheting. It is so soft and so warm. It's lovely. I might have to put it on again. <laughs> um, so that's design in progress number one. Design in progress number two. This is really, really exciting. And this is why the episode is called The Secrets Out. Shall I tell you my secret? Would you like to know? It's quite epic. Let me slurp coffee first. <laughs> I've been sitting on some information for about two months now. Not just sitting on it, I've also um, been working away, beavering away, which is why I've been less active on Instagram and Ravelry than I perhaps normally would have been. And when I've been doing things, they've just had to be done quite quickly because... Um, lots of time and effort has been going into other things. So, what I have been working on is a series of designs for somebody that I love and adore. Um, and I just can't quite believe that this has happened. So when I started crocheting um, just over three years ago now, one of the first designers in yarn brands I had a real affinity with was Erica Knight. I still can't quite believe I'm saying this. Um, I really love Erica's paired back, simple, stylish elegance in her patterns and the way that she writes her patterns as well. Like not a wasted word, they're really nicely done. And it's what she leaves out of a pattern that makes her patterns gorgeous for me. She doesn't fling everything at them. They are very understated, but the techniques behind them make them come together so they're very, very competent but they're understated elegance and I love that. And so she's just always been on my kind of radar of somebody that I love and I've had the pleasure of interviewing Erica and having contact with her in the last kind of 18 months or so. And Erica and Bella, and Bella works with Erica, it's actually her daughter, they asked me to put forward a design um, concept which I did and said well I've, I've got some more designs if you're interested and they were <laughs> so to cut a long story short 
Um, I've already got one design in Modenica and I've just finished another four and I've got another load in the pipeline. So that's what I have been doing. I have been designing for somebody that I truly, truly admire and like, I keep on... I keep on having to pinch myself because I can't believe that my designs are worthy. That sounds truly ridiculous, but you know when you've got somebody who you really respect and then they like what you're doing and you think, oh, okay, my stuff must be okay then. It's, you know, it can't be utterly horrendous if this person likes what it is that I'm designing. Uh, it can't be bad at all. And so that's what's happened to me. So I can't give an awful lot more away other than the pieces that I've just finished off. It's a series of four shawls. And it's a series because they all use the same central pattern repeat to create a very similar shape. But the idea is that with each shawl it builds up your skills and knowledge and understanding of crochet. So the first one is really simple to do but beautiful. It's actually one it's I think my favourite out of the fall. And then you build up to a slightly different stitch and adding in another technique and then the third one has got some lace rows in it which make it interesting again with a border and then the fourth one uses tapestry crochet again. So you can build up your skills throughout these four shawls. And each of the four shawls are, uh, has been made in Erica's new British Blue 100. So it's 100 gram skeins of Blueface Leicester, again. I could have called this uh, this episode the Blueface Leicester episode. And it's really lovely to work with. Um, it's a double knit and it comes in at, I think it's two... Come on, 220 metres per 100 grams. Um, and she has got eight gorgeous shades to begin with. And I've got four that I can show you here. And I've just really enjoyed working with this wool. It's spun in the UK. It's a British product. And, you know, with some double knitting, the twist can really split on a crochet hook. This stuff doesn't. It was just really easy to work with. And it's very easy to move up and down hook sizes. And so you can make it as dense as you want or really open it out if that's what you'd like as well. It's a good one for playing around with. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. If you don't know Erica's work, go and have a look. She's been in this industry for a long time. She has over 10 pages worth of patterns on Ravelry. And she has her own brand that she sells in her own right. And also she does some stuff via um, John Lewis as well. Um, so she does linen. She's got the glossy cotton. I don't know if you remember the um, the Hove beach bag that I did. That was in Erica's cotton. So have a look at her yarn. She has a real eye on provenance and understanding where her yarns are coming from. That's important to me. And um, yeah. Without putting too fine a point on it, I have a huge amount of respect for Erica and Bella and what they do. They're really hard-working ladies and they're lovely, lovely to deal with and, and work with in collaboration. And I, I just can't believe it. I cannot believe it. And I know some of you who will know of Erica's brand will be like, 
every bit as chuffed for me as I am because you get it, you understand the magnitude of this for me is just incredible. And for those that um, don't understand or haven't got an inkling of how massive this is, take a look at Erica's website and have a look at her Ravelry pages because I just, I'm blown away by the fact that um, they're interested in my designs. So watch this space. It will be next year before you see them. But um, there's going to be quite a lot that I will be talking about. I'll be shouting from the rooftops when they're available. And you can um, have a look and go and buy the patterns from, from Erica. But I'm so hugely excited about this project. I just, I can't quite believe it. So, yes. And then, yesterday, more designs in progress. This one's a bit of a different one, but... You know, I also have, I have a few brands I really love because I love the ethos and I love the people behind them. And it's as much about the people it is as it is about the ethos. And I feel that way about Erica, um, about Becky and Marcus at River Nets, and also about John and Juliet Harbin. And yesterday, their new catalogue pinged through my, my, uh, what do you call it, mailbox. And I knew that this was happening, but I still wasn't quite prepared for it. So with my Doppio Colosseum shawl pattern, I redid it in John and Juliet's Devonia, which is a gorgeous, very local to them, wool blend that they've pulled together from um, breeds local to them in North Devon. And so they put the um, Doppio Colosseum, can often be found on their stand when they go and do wool shows. And they were re doing the photography for um, their latest catalogue and Juliet had given me the heads up and said, oh, there's every chance that Doppio Colosseum will be on, on the front of the catalogue and it came through yesterday. I thought the catalogue was coming out at the beginning of next year and it came through yesterday and I was just like... I, I can't quite believe it, but that's my shawl. I'll put a photo into the show notes. That's my, that's my shawl on the front of their catalogue. Again, a couple that I have a huge amount of respect for. I love what they do. And there's just been this lovely little series of events that have happened in the last few months that have made me think, yes, I'm on the right path. Uh, yes, I'm doing the right thing. And I just need to keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. So thank you to John and Juliet for putting me on their front cover. Well, not me, but, you know, that's my shawl and that's my design. And... Um, yeah, thank you for that. Love it. Matthew came home last night and I just stood there holding it. Like going, oh, hello, evening. He was like, ah, that's your Duffy Coliseum. I was like, yes, yes it is. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a happy little funny about all of this stuff. It's great. Um, yeah, that's it for Designs in Progress, I think. But what I can do is show you one of the next load of yarns that I'm going to be working with because that will feed into feeding the habit as well. I went to a smaller wool festival, yarn festival, called Bakewell Wool Gathering. I'm actually going to apply because I went along partly to go and see what the setup is and see if it's a yarn show that I would want to try and vend at. And it very much is. It's lovely. And one of the stallholders that I came across there, I already knew of their stuff, um, but it is 
the Border Tart. And she does natural dyeing with indigo. Really nice, really beautiful, very soft um, tonal shifts in it. Really lovely. And so what I got was one skein of their four ply, which is 60% superwash merino, 20% silk and 20% yak. And yak is really nice and soft, lovely. So to pair it up, what I got was an undyed skein as well. So exactly the same mix, but it's quite different. So rather than being the whitey, whitey cream that you get of like a merino or something, the yak gives it a very mid-brown grey tone. And I thought the pairing of these two, of the indigo with the undyed, was just gorgeous. I already have the design in mind. And I will be making this up just as soon as I have done a few other tutorials and filtered through a few other things. So you might see this as a design in progress next month but it's going to be uh, another cowl but a longer one that you can double up so really have nice and squishy around your neck um yeah so that one's there so what what tends to happen is that sometimes i will buy the yarn for a design and then it will just start to kind of mutate in my mind until the design is there so this one i've been thinking about since i got the yarn and probably that was maybe three three weeks ago and then about two days ago, finally, the design had filtered its way all the way through my mind. And then that was it. And what happens is I change it a little bit mentally, change it a little bit, change it a little bit. And sometimes I won't write anything down. And then eventually the cogs have turned and they spit out the design idea and then it's ready to go. With others, I will have the design idea and I will jot it down, take a quick um, sketch out of it and then I will go hunting for the yarn um, to try and make that design come to life but when I find yarn that I really really love and I think is within my palette and I would want to work with I tend to just buy it there and then for a design especially if it's a, a yarn that isn't going to be um, gone two weeks later it's one that is has got longevity with that yarn brand so by the time I come to design in it if somebody wanted to use that exact same yarn, then they would be able to go and buy it. One of the other beauties of pairing up with an undyed um, skein is that it keeps the cost down because the dyed skein is more expensive than the undyed. So I still get a lovely effect, but it makes for a slightly cheaper project. So watch the space on that one. That's the only yarn that I had coming in this month um, I was eyeing up some other bits and pieces at uh, Bakewell like the Dalton Flock I was looking at their stuff but I didn't buy any because I've got enough to be going with and, and I have some more ideas for Erica's um, British 100 as well um, so that was that was it really from Bakewell and the only other thing I've already shown you for feeding habit that I've bought was the Making Winter book by Emma Mitchell. I suspect that lots of you are going to have this on your wish list for Christmas or for birthdays this year. It's a really beautiful book. And what she does is doesn't just focus in on crochet. There's some 
jewellery making, there's drawing, there's uh, there are recipes, there's a gin recipe as well. There's all sorts in here and it's really beautiful hardback book. Um, I think eventually I will probably do a review of this but what I would want to do is review it once I've done some of the other crafts so rather than just the crochet because it is more than a crochet design book. Um, so it might be a month or so before I review that properly. But very nice clear instructions, beautifully laid out, beautiful photography and um, quite a few crochet patterns as well. Um, like, let me just show you this one, the fennel cowl. I think I might make that one as well. Um, yeah, it looks like a quick, this might be one of my Christmas Eve cast on one skin wonders actually because um, it's done in a chunky weight material and a six millimeter hook so I could probably bosh that off on Christmas Eve itself um, yeah so I will come back to you on the uh, the make and winter book but first impressions are that it's very nice it's lovely so I also had a parcel arrive at the house which I was not expecting and it was from Emmy and Yael and they have been doing some really funky bags. You've heard me talk about them both before. They do the blanket of um, hope and love and Yael's got those beautiful crochet beads that they do and they've started up their own shop. Um, it's really nice and they sent me through a couple of bags and a scrubby and some makeup removers and what they're doing is actually hand printing on vintage fabric and I love it. It's got a really nice feel to it with really gorgeous like contrast zips um, and quite a nice firm bag you know there's it's um, it's got like, like a lining inside it as well and really cool label on the inside. <laughs> so I did not expect this at all and they didn't just send me one bag they sent me two, and uh, this one has got gosh yarn it across it. And they're using vintage fabrics to um, make the bags up. Really decent sizes as well. And very nicely made. And yeah, I'm yeah very, very grateful. Thank you, ladies. I did not expect this little parcel to be coming through the post. And they immediately got filled up with uh, projects. And yeah, love the fabric on this one. It's very bright green flower almost got like a camouflage jungle feel to it really really love it so one of the things that they focus in on is reusables um so that might be um breast pads um sanitary wear all sorts of stuff so have a look at it it's um it's lovely stuff that they do and very nicely made they've just started a new shop which is www.emyahandmade so e m y a handmade.com and because they are lovely lovely ladies they have offered podcast listeners 20% off in their shop um, all you need to do is add in the discount code which is emya20 so e m y a capital and then 2020. 20% off. I think that's really very kind of them. And I just, I, I did not expect these to be coming through the post, and they're just lovely. Um, I can definitely vouch for the quality and the thickness and the, that, the sturdiness of the bags and the size of them. The big one that I've got is currently housing my 
jumper, the um, the homebody jumper in it, and I don't think I'll have to move it out of this bag. I think it's a proper um, sweater quantity bag that they've got, and they've got all sorts of really cool um, wording on their designs. Let me see if I can bring some up. Yeah, so they've got one that says knit happens. Um, there's a notions pouch, size matters, yarn cheaper than therapy. <laughs> um, if I sit, I knit. There's all sorts. It's just really a lovely idea, and I love the the use of the fabrics that they've got, and even more that it's um, it's vintage fabric that they're using. So thank you, ladies. And if you are in, uh, if you're in the running for a project bag have a look at what they're doing imyahanmade.com and you can get your 20% off um, with them and it comes over from Sweden thank you one of the things I wanted to talk about was setting up a craft group and what I've done is put a load of detail into a blog post which I'll link to in the show notes so if it's something that you're interested in and you need lots more detail, then please go and have a look at the blog post because I've gone through all sorts in there um, about setting up a group and how I've done it and how Wool Gathering Sandbatch works and that's the group that I run. So I'll just give you a quick lowdown on how that came about and how I run it because um, you might find that useful if you are looking at setting up a craft group. I was doing crochet lessons with Lynn and that was part of an adult education services thing so there were a few of us and I had done the beginners crochet lessons and then the intermediate um, crochet lessons as well and they came to an end, they were six week blocks so I'd done 12 weeks and at the end of it I still wanted to do more, I didn't want to just come back home and do it all on my own and so I'd put it to the group of ladies um, that I would happily set up a group if they would find it useful and some of them would want to come along. And some of them did, which was great. So out of that, I already had like a, a seed group of people that were interested in crafting. And initially what I was going to do was house it in one of our local cafes, which would have been free of charge. But what that meant was the place that they could house us was in the area at the back, which was right beside the kitchens, which would have meant that all of our projects and us would have smelt of cooking fat, which I just didn't think was good enough. And although that would have been free of charge, people still would have had to come and support that cafe. So they would have been spending money on food or, you know, cafe lattes, whatever it was. So then I took the decision to actually move it to a paid for um, hired room. And quite honestly, it was one of the best decisions I could have made because... What it meant was that I could be very specific about the lighting that we had, about car parking, about everything. And um, for a good 18 months, we used the same one location. Um, eventually, we moved for various reasons that I've listed out in the blog post. But what that meant was we were spending £30 every time we met on room hire. And therefore, the crafting group was a charged for group and it cost £3 every time, which is... The equivalent of a cafe latte or two anyway that you would have in a, in a cafe if we were using their space. But what we get is a lovely dedicated room that we can use, access to a kitchen, all those good things that you need for a crafting group. 
And then there's been quite a lot of people that have come via word of mouth. Lynn, when she's running um, crochet and knitting classes, tells those people that there is a crafting group available. And um, so we get people from there. People now come via the podcast. So hello, if you're listening in your local, um, I'm in Cheshire. I'm just outside Sandbach. So we've had a few people join us because they have heard about me talking and um, they've heard me talking about wool gathering sandbatch on the podcast and they've come and joined us which is lovely it's really nice we generally have about eight to fifteen people um we meet once a fortnight and that's a really important timeline i think if it was once a week it would almost be too much but because it's once a fortnight you're really looking forward to it next time it comes around um and we have a great crack we just we have lots of fun with the people that we've got coming um, 8 to 15 people depending on the season so that does change and um, it's kind of self-publicising now I don't actively go out and seek more people to come to the group but if somebody emailed me or came along absolutely not an issue there's never a cut-off point um, it's just lovely to welcome new people into the group but we're at a point where we don't necessarily need to go out and advertise and say please come along to our group and it's also very chilled out group and we meet in the evenings and if you're setting up a craft group that's I think probably one of the most important factors is when when is it that you need to set up your group where is the whole so we have got lots of crafting groups that meet during the day locally that wasn't suitable for me at the time because I was full-time employed and often would work late hours and I needed something that I could set up and go to at night time and therefore lots of people that come along to the group are in exactly the same position they work full time but they still want to have some time out on their own and do their own thing and so what I did was set it up for exactly that and it's between the hours of six and nine so it's a three hour session but because we're a very informal group You can turn up whenever you like within that timeline. You pay your money and that's it. So I don't care if somebody turned up at half eight and only managed half an hour. I don't care if somebody's there from six o'clock till nine o'clock. We don't run it as a rigid group, which I think is another key factor for us. So you don't have loads of time spent going through minutes and guild information and national information because we're not part of anything like that. It's just us. You brew up when you want to brew up and you turn up when you want to turn up and you leave when you want to leave and that's it so it's a very informal relaxed group because that's the way that I want to run it I didn't want a treasurer and a chairperson and 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 it's just done on a very chilled out basis and people seem to really appreciate that um, so when I was looking for new people to join the group one of the things that I did was found some of our local web pages and I put us up in the group section of that and we had quite a few people that filtered in through that and um, so that's a really helpful way of introducing people to the group I also let the daytime groups that were meeting crafting groups I let them know about our group in case they had other people that had been in contact with them and said oh I can only do evenings and they could be filtered towards us And if we had a local yarn shop, we don't. But if we did, I would have put the information over to them as well. Because that's a natural feeding site for a crafting group. The other thing I was very conscious about was not calling it a knit night. 
because I'm sure you are all aware as crocheters I find it really frustrating that knitting is always taken as the dominant craft so it'll be a knitting natter and knit night it's all pretty much around knitting now I knit as well but I also embroider I occasionally attempt weaving and spinning and lots of other things and so I was very aware that I wanted the group to be called something that wasn't going to alienate lots of other crafters and so that's why it's called wool gathering sandbatch um, and wool gathering as one word which actually means daydreaming it's sitting thinking taking time out and daydreaming um, and so what it, that does is gets the point across that it's about fibre crafts but it doesn't define it as a crochet club or a knitting club or an embroidery club or a tapestry club you can come and do all of those things Roz often comes along and brings her inkle loom and weaves straps we've got somebody that does um, rag rugging a uh, few people recently have been doing embroidery as well so it's a very mixed club which makes our club all the richer for it if you're thinking about setting up a craft group, I would thoroughly recommend not alienating other people by calling it a knit and natter or a knit, knit group or a knit night. Feel free, steal wool gathering if you want to. I know that there are various other wool gatherings across the country um, because people have heard about ours and have not had a, a name for theirs and so they are such and such wool gathering or wool gathering somewhere in Devon or whatever it is. So if you're thinking about setting up a club, feel free to use Will Gathering as part of your, your name for it. It's just a nice way of getting across that it's a wool-based crafting club without alienating people. Um, that's probably about all I need to say on it right now. If you do need more information, go to the blog post. And if you've got any specific questions, please... Um, let me know and I'll, I'll answer them for you I should have mentioned one of the other things that I did is um, a few of the yarn retailers and also the Knitting and Crochet Guild they have got online resources for all of the um, kind of crafting clubs predominantly knitting and crochet clubs across the UK so I'm listed on that and actually we've had a few people that have got my email address from that resource so if you're thinking about setting up a club that's a good way of getting more people through the door as well as get yourself onto the national databases and every now and then they'll ping me an email with something that's going on nationally that our club might want to get involved in so yeah like I say email me if you have got any questions or ping me a message on Ravelry or Instagram and I'll happily talk you through more bits and pieces on setting up a craft club. It is honestly one of the best things that I've ever done. I moved into this area. I know, can you tell I'm not local? <laughs> and um, I'd been here for probably four years and still hadn't made any friends because Matthew and I don't have kids so there was no meeting of um, parents at the school gate. I worked an hour away and was commuting every day Um and whilst we've got kind of friends and neighbours around me, I didn't have people that I would actively go and have a cup of tea with or sit and craft with or people that I would truly say are local friends. And through running Wool Gathering Sandbatch and meeting all of the people there, I've got friends. I've got people that I drop in on. I've got people that inspire me. I've got people 
that I can help out and they will help me out because of wool gatherings and batch. So it's a really positive thing to do and it doesn't have to take up loads of your time. It probably, it's a few emails for me and a little bit of um, work to pull specific things together, but it's not a huge amount of time for what I get back out of running that club. I really enjoy it and it's, it's definitely brought me closer to my local community and definitely to my crafting community. So well worth doing. Right, big up. So I'm going a bit left field with this month's big up. The first one is actually an, it's not even an audio book. It's a series of lectures that I have just finished listening to yesterday and they were fantastic. When I'm crafting and doing bits and pieces, I really like to have um, audio books on in the background and I am currently obsessed with Vikings and anything Viking-esque and Norse mythology, just you name it, within that um, kind of category and I want to know everything about it. And so I looked up on Audible because I had a few credits and I found that they had they're called The Great Courses, and I'm sure some of you will have come across these before. And what they do is they hone in on specific categories. They get people that lead the field in those categories, and then they deliver a series of courses and lectures within that category. So the one that I've just listened to is by Professor Harl. He comes from a university in New Orleans, and he has delivered the most amazing set of lectures on the Vikings. It's 18 hours worth and I've loved every minute of it that I could press play again now and listen to it all again. It's delivered in such a, a nice way. It's intellectual but it's delivered in a very homely way. It's not it's not it's not incredibly highbrow. It's very palatable and I've just had so much fun learning about the Viking era and learning more about British history and um, English history and Scottish history and Irish history and how the Scandinavians have had such a massive impact on the UK as a whole. Brilliant series. And they have got so many to learn from. So there's stuff in there on... Um, there's a whole series of lectures on the Civil War. There's a series of lectures on the Tudors. I mean, you name it, there is something of interest to everybody within there. Some of these lectures total up to about 27 hours worth of learning and that you get all of that for one audible credit, which I think is great value. If you were going to buy them as a set of CDs, the retail value is about £60. So one audible credit, which is about six ninety nine, something like that, means it's really good value for money. But I do get to a point in my working day because I don't have a team around me where I just... I have a thirst for knowledge and I'm very inquisitive and I just want to be taking on information but I could be sitting working out a shawl design or having to sit and crochet through a design and it's not that it's a waste of time but I, I feel like my brain needs to be chugging through something as well and it has just been perfect and I will, I think all of my audio credits, audible credits from now on in are going to be used on the great courses. I've added a link to the one that I listened to um, on Audible. If you're interested, cannot recommend it enough. It takes you right the way through the Viking era. He splits it into different types of categories. So it's not just hodgepodge. 
he will talk about shipbuilding, um, Scandinavia, Iceland, all sorts of stuff. Absolutely incredible. Loved it. So that's number one. And then number two is a podcast that Matthew and I listen to religiously. Um, every Friday night, you can pretty much guarantee that I will have a glass of wine in one hand, a crochet hook in the other, and we will be sat on the sofa in the kitchen listening to the Empire Film podcast. Um, it's brilliant fun. Um, it's a little bit sweary, so if you're of a delicate disposition, it might not be for you. Um, actually, it's really quite sweary. I don't have an issue with that personally, but I love the film reviews that they do. They're really good fun. They get some great guests in there, and Matthew and I are massive film fans. Matthew even more so than me. So the Empire Podcast is a great way of learning about films, um, and again, not sitting and watching the TV, but taking information in in a different format. And that's what I really love podcasts and audiobooks for. I'm not necessarily sat looking at a square box. So that's it for Big Up. That's uh, that's where I'm at. I've got a couple of new podcasts I want to look at and probably bring to you for next time round. But I just haven't had a time, um, enough time to look at them in depth yet and I'm bringing them forward as a Big Up. And that just leaves me with what's good. And this is short but sweet. I feel like um, I've really set the scene for myself in 2017 and that 2018 is going to be a great year. I feel like I've done loads of groundwork and with the stuff with um, Erica coming in this year but really coming into fruition next year, I really feel like um, I'm on the right path with my designs and the way that I do things, um, like the way that I set my patterns out, doing the video tutorials, I feel like I've spent 2017 putting in all the groundwork and like I'm well and truly ready for 2018 to be a fantastic year and it just it feels it feels really good that I'm there I feel like the um I could apply that to the podcast as well like you guys are all so lovely I love the interaction that um that we have I love the community that we've got I love that you get what I'm doing, that you enjoy the fact that it's quite in-depth content, that I'm trying to share the skills so that what I learn, I'm passing on um, and that I am still learning. I've only been crocheting for three years, just over three years. And I'm a newbie. I'm a total baby at this. It's just that I like to spraff about it. <laughs> That's the difference. I just like to talk a lot and therefore you guys get to hear me and see me do that. Um... But I am ever grateful for everybody that tunes in and leaves a, a thumbs up and a nice comment. I'm trying to get better at responding on YouTube as well. And I've definitely been more active in Ravelry, so I've put up a load of new threads today. So I'm kind of, now that the Erica stuff is done, I'm trying to get back into Ravelry and um, address the balance there. But yes, I feel like design is good and podcast is good. And yeah, I'm ever grateful for you guys. For tuning in and making it all worthwhile it's brilliant it's brilliant right enough now it's time to go we're getting quite gloomy out there um hmm? yeah we're done thank you thank you for tuning in and i will see you in december when i'll have a bit more detail on the one skein wonderland cal with charlie and a whole load of new 
FOs and whips and designs in progress for you. Until then, thank you very much. Bye! She is waving! Episode 22. You've got a stick coming out of your head. I need to go more that way. Stickhead. Hello, my name's Faye Stickhead. See Claude and I don't have a stick coming out my head.